2: So how much is the GOP's vaccine denialism and doubt spreading and all this kind of stuff going to cost us? How much damage is it going to do to America? The Republican Party is no longer a legitimate party. 54 Resistance actually just tweeted in response to a troll who was uh, you know, responding to my post. He said, not sure he's trying to ban it just for people to be vocal and saying that Trump's Republican Party isn't legitimate and it isn't. Less than a quarter of Americans identify as Republican, which is true. And vaccine refusal you know, over at Daily Kos, Dardigan community posted uh, vaccine refusal is going to cost this country billions. And who's going to pay for it? Is it going to be these guys who are running around going, well, I don't know. I have some doubts or, hey, you know, there's baby parts in that vaccine or, you know, which are all lies, obviously. Or, you know, it's just like the flu. Right. The flu doesn't disable 30% of all the people who have it for at least six months, which is what is happening with COVID. Just the rehabilitation costs of this country already are in the billions, the tens of billions, our medical costs in the billions. You know, Reagan's answer to a demand for some some sort of help with medical expenses back in the 80s was Congress passing a law, I think it was in 86, that said that If you show up at a hospital emergency room, they can no longer turn you away. Hospital emergency rooms would just routinely turn away poor people. Car accidents, you know, strokes, heart attacks, whatever it may be. If you showed up at a hospital ER and you didn't have insurance, you didn't have money, or particularly if you were black and you didn't have money or insurance, you just literally got physically turned away, thrown out on the street. And so in the 80s, they passed this law saying that, you know, ERs can't turn you away. So now we've got all these people with COVID showing up in ERs and who's paying the bill? You and me. It's jacking up our insurance prices. It's raising the cost of hospitalization. It's, it's raising the cost of everything, every piece of this. And now the vaccine refusal. This isn't just one variable. It isn't just how much we're gonna extra pay in our insurance premiums and Medicare premiums and things like that. It's also you know, how much it's costing us in lost productivity. You want the economy to get back to full speed? I mean, I think we would all like that. Certainly Joe Biden would like that. There's no way the economy is going to go back to full capacity if 40% of Republicans, you know, 20% of what we've got right now, somewhere in the neighborhood, actually, of around almost 40% of Americans saying, I don't know, I have some doubts. And this is spreading, you know, this meme is spreading like wildfire through Facebook and other social media. And now, of course, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine being put on pause because there are six cases of people, of young women, women under 50 getting, I believe maybe even under 40, I think though it was under 49, getting blood clots, six out of over 10 million people who've gotten the vaccine. But still, you know, hey, caution is good, but it's just like one more talking point for the nervous Nellies, for the, I'm worried about this. I don't know about this. Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington state, said uh, these people will be foisting their costs on the rest of the community with a refusal to get vaccinated. He says he's seen it right now in Washington state, where so far, 300,000 people have been contacted by the state and offered a vaccine and explicitly said no. 300,000 people. That's 300,000 people who are going to be disease vectors. That's 300,000 people who are going to be disabled. That's 300,000 people who are going to be on social... Disability that you and I are paying for that's going to damage the Social Security Trust Fund. And, you know, Republicans are trying to make the situation worse. You've got half the Republican caucus, half of the Republicans in Congress refusing to even say if they've been vaccinated, and a good chunk of them proudly saying, No, I haven't been vaccinated. Rand Paul, Ron Johnson, Oh, I don't need a vaccine. Greg Abbott down in Texas and, and Ron DeSantis in Florida saying, oh, we're going to make it illegal to use vaccine passports. Businesses, oh, we never interfere in businesses, except now. Businesses cannot require people to show proof of vaccination, to get on a cruise ship, to get on an airplane, to go into a restaurant, to patronize a bar. Really? This is the hill you guys want to die on? Well, yeah, and there's and the reason why is quite clear, and I don't know why the media does not point this out. If the GOP can prevent people from getting vaccinated, then we will not get out of this mess. And if we don't get out of this mess, if the economy doesn't improve, then Democrats are going to have a harder time getting elected and reelected next year in the election. And if they can hold it off for four years or three and a half more years, three, three more years, three and a half more years, then Joe Biden will have a difficult time getting reelected or Kamala Harris filling his shoes this is their long game. I don't understand why nobody is pointing this out. Or am I just nuts? Am I like, you know, somehow way out on the fringe here saying, you know, it looks to me like this is intentional. That Republicans in Congress refusing to say that they got vaccinated, trashing vaccines like, you know, Rand Paul and Ron Johnson are doing, spreading vaccine misinformation. You know, what do you think they're just doing this for fun? You think they're just doing it because they're congenital contrarians? I don't think so. They're doing it for a reason. So what would the reason be? Well, when Trump was president, there was a very clear reason. He wanted the economy to be humming again in spite of the pandemic. We did not have vaccines then. And so the only thing he could do if he wanted to get the economy back to work was to tell people, don't take time off, go back to work and, and get back into the stores, quit ordering from Amazon, show up in your local store. Show up in your local restaurant, show up in your local bar. Remember him tweeting, reopen Michigan, hashtag, reopen Wisconsin, going after states that have Democratic governors? This is political strategy. This is the Republican Party. You know, Trump leading up to the election was trying to get more people infected so he could have so-called herd immunity and so that he could have his economy working because he knew that he would lose the election if the economy failed. But then after the election, the Republicans continued pushing this and added vaccine reluctance or hesitancy to their menu. Why? Because they saw that doing it prior to the election actually sabotaged Trump, lost them the House, lost them the Senate, cost Republican candidates votes. And so if they can continue that exact same thing, it will sabotage whoever's in power now. Which by the way, if you haven't noticed, is the Democrats. They control the House, the Senate, and the White House. And, you know, we can even get the Supreme Court in on the act, say the Republicans. Let's toss this to Amy Coney Barrett. We want to have, uh, out in California, we would like people to be able to have prayer groups in their homes, unvaccinated prayer groups in their homes. What could possibly go wrong? And the Supreme Court ruled yesterday or the day before that uh, it's just fine. No limits, the state can't regulate prayer groups. So what's next? Churches, of course. I mean, they've been going for this, you know, let's expand the rights of religion thing for when it comes to discriminating against black people, when it comes to discriminating against non-gender conforming people, gay people, LGBTQ, trans people, this is like their brand. And now the Supreme Court is in on the act. With Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and Clarence Thomas just enthusiastically going along, the one guy who wasn't with them was John Roberts, weirdly enough. How much is this vaccine refusal going to cost us? When is the American media going to start calling the GOP out for what they are doing here, for this naked political move? By the way, I uh, HartmanReport.com. Every morning I publish my rant for the day over there, which is not always but typically my main rant for the first hour of the program, also. And it's free to anybody. It's not, there's no ads, it's not advertiser supported. And the subscription is free. You can just sign up for it. It is possible to have a paid subscription. What that gets you is the podcast. There's a I also record this every morning. And so that gets you that podcast. And uh, also once a month we do a Tom Ask Tom Anything and get together. And you can comment on the posts. And I got a long email yesterday from a listener or viewer who was saying, wait a minute, you're going to charge me to comment on the posts? Oh my God, this is, you know, you're a Nazi or greedy or something. And, you know, let me just make this very clear the reason we did this is from a very painful lesson we learned running live posts and a blog over at TomHartman.com for years and years and that is that if you just open something up to anybody who has an email address what you get is viagra spammers uh nigerian prince scammers you get political scammers you get and trolls by the dozens Whereas if you charge to participate in the comments, even, even if it's something small, you know, five bucks a month, something like that, now you know who these people are. You have their address, you even have their credit card, or at least Stripe does, and so you can cut them off. And so the reason why we do that, I just want to make it clear, you know, the reason why we limit comments on, our, on my daily posts to those people who have actually subscribed is because then we can actually moderate our comments. So I just wanted to put that out there as an FYI. This is all about HarbinReport.com, which is kind of our new blog. Anyhow, the news is out that the J&J shot, we talked about this briefly yesterday, causes blood clots in slightly fewer than one in one million women who are under 50. And this is exploding across the world of social media. We had a caller who listens to this program regularly and run some rooms or forums or areas or whatever they call those things over on uh, Facebook and said, you know, the anti-vaxxers are just mopping up the floor with this. They are making hay while the sun shines and, and, you know, pick cliche number three of your choice and you can get it, right? I mean, you know, oh, you know, out of six and 6.8 million doses, we've got six cases, one death, one hospitalization, six cases of women who had a blood clot. Which, of course, raises the question, your odds of getting blood clots if you get COVID are 1 in 20, right? Your odds of getting blood clots if you just take certain types of birth control pills, the hormone-mediated birth control pills are like, as I recall, like 1 in 10 to 20,000. Here, your odds of getting a blood clot if you get the J&J COVID shot are 1 in a million. And so you have to ask, you know, are we... Do we have a problem with misplaced priorities here? My prediction is that what's gonna happen is that within the next couple days, the CDC is gonna say, okay, we're gonna do with this J&J shot what Europe is doing with the AstraZeneca shot, which we don't have here in the United States, but they paused it for a while. And then they came back and they said, you know, it looks like the only people affected by this are women under 50, mostly premenopausal women. There's some association here with estrogen and with all this and all that kind of stuff. And so we're going to go back to using AstraZeneca shots, but only on men under 40 and only on women over 40, right? Or over 50, excuse me, 49 was the cutoff. And I'm guessing we'll see the same thing here in the United States. But Donald Trump and the Republican Party, they are making hay with this announcement that discouraging Americans from getting vaccinated and thus preventing Joe Biden from ever getting the economy back on track has been the first order of business for the Republican Party ever since Trump lost the election. And now it's their primary electoral strategy going into 2022 in 2024. And if the spam I'm seeing in my inbox and the trolls I'm seeing on social media are any indication at all, there are also several countries that hate America that are pumping this thing, you know, with social media accounts that appear to be actual Americans. And Trump, of course, tripled down on this. The Wall Street Journal had a piece that I linked to in my piece from Hartman Report. Feigning outrage and using it to trash our new president, Trump wrote the Biden administration did a terrible disservice to people throughout the country by allowing the FDA and CDC to call a pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. So he's doing his whole feigned outrage. Oh my God, this is a wonderful vaccine. Why would you pause it? Well, the reason they paused it was because you've got these six cases of blood clots and they want to find out, you know, who has a risk for this and who doesn't. So if we're going to bring this vaccine back the way that they have AstraZeneca in Europe, and by the way, the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe and the J&J vaccine here use this, it's the old-fashioned vaccine technique, right? They're using an adenovirus, just a kind of a human cold virus, common cold virus that, you know, people get all the time and don't even notice it. They're using that virus as the delivery. They modified that virus so that it is delivering into your cells the DNA or the, uh, I don't recall if it's RNA or DNA that is in that virus that that is then conveyed into your cells to provoke the immune response to COVID. So anyhow, Trump is like saying on the one hand, oh my God, they paused it. But then at the same time, this is the same guy who, along with his wife, got vaccinated while he was in the White House and covered it up, just like Ron DeSantis did. I mean, this is all about sabotaging Joe Biden. There's nobody on Earth right now that Donald Trump hates more than Joe Biden, other than maybe Letitia James, the, you know, the, the, the uh, attorney general for the state of New York who's prosecuting him. But he wrote, remember, it was the FDA working with Pfizer who announced the vaccine approval two days after the 2020 presidential election. They didn't like me very much. Right. And then he warned his followers, you can't trust the US government. He said the FDA has to be controlled, particularly because of the long time bureaucrats within. And this is what's going on in Michigan right now. These guys, you know, they have, this is exactly what Republicans want is throw the country into more chaos, prevent the economy from recovering, harm Joe Biden and all the Democrats, and particularly states like Michigan, where you've got a Democratic governor, but the legislature can mess with things. In in Michigan, the legislature passed a law forcing the, governor, uh, the government of Michigan to tell everybody that the J&J shots was used on fetal stem cells, was tested. And that has produced a whole another group, you know, the anti-abortion group, who are freaked out about the vaccine. This is what the GOP wants. This is their strategy. Sabotage the Democrats. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week, and it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com/Hartman the two ends, or enter the code Hartman the two ends before checking out for fifty percent off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro-kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two ends, or enter the code Hartman, the two ends before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman.
3: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
2: Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is Health Justice Now, Single Payer and What Comes Next by Timothy Faust, and this is from the introduction. A secret scream rings through America. It rings down the sterile fluorescent hallways of our hospitals. It rings over our rural towns and our native reservations. It rings through our prisons, the bellies of our great cities. It rings in our farms and our fields, our streets and our sewers, our bodies and our blood, and we are cursed to never hear it clearly until at last we realize it has been our own mouth screaming and we are lost. A child born today inherits in that secret a new American squalor, the skeletal remains of the American cities, the bleached bones of the American suburbs. This secret is a birthright of continual exploitation, pumped for labor and drained of cash and then punished for the resulting suffering punished for being hungry, punished for being sick, punished for being pregnant, punished for being poor, punished for being black or brown, punished for being queer, for being unlucky, for being. At the base of that suffering is lodged a little truth like a knot in the stomach. In America, sickness makes you poor and poorness makes you sick. This is a book about that relationship and why it happens and why it's unnecessary and what we can do to fix it. The cosmic whirling of God's great slot machine has not determined that some people are fated to suffer while others flourish. We have the resources to take care of everyone, and yet we refuse to do so. Your medical debt and medical bills are unnecessary, but we have chosen to make them necessary. These are structural problems with structural causes, and many of them share roots in how we pay for health care. This is a book about health care and health finance. They are different. Healthcare is anything that helps you stay safe and healthy. It's a kind of freedom from and within your own body. Health finance is the method by which we as a country pay for that freedom and by which we decide who gets to have it and who doesn't. Healthcare is more than what happens to you in the hospital. Healthcare is whether your home makes you sick, or your food makes you sick, or your environment makes you sick, or whether you have enough money to afford the things that keep you healthy. In America, the structure of corporate health care has convinced us that some people deserve health care and some people don't. This is a book about that corporate health finance, about private insurance and private insurers. For half a century, they've convinced us that they're the only things that keep us or could ever keep us from the utter financial ruination of illness. They've sold us different inadequate insurance plans and persuaded us that this is a form of great liberty while chipping away at our freedoms for profit, and holding our bodies and our children's bodies hostage. This is a book about single-payer health care, a health finance model in which we pool our abundant collective resources to provide health care to all people. It is a common model across the world. As we will discuss in this book, we have the potential not just to enact a single-payer program in America, but to build the greatest healthcare program among any so-called developed democracy. Here is my profession of faith. I believe beyond any doubt the single payer is demonstrably sound and imminently feasible. I believe a properly ambitious and well-structured single payer program will do more than any other American social program of this generation to soothe the burns, to resuscitate the spirit, to nourish the moral will of the American people i believe it will loosen the loathsome manacles of american health finance an exploitative institution that profits by plundering from us our own bodily autonomy and that anchors the larger exploitation that holds those whom we love as captive leverage to guarantee our servitude to abusive employers or domestic partners to those who seek to dominate us both in the office and in the hospital i believe this nation owes its people Whose labor has created its rich banquet the safety and agency of health care i believe this health care is greater in scope than that which happens upon an operating table i believe that housing food income and more the components of basic human dignity are health care and i believe our work is that of striving toward justice for all people and i therefore believe i have to believe that single-payer health care is our moral imperative Single payer is our tool, single payer is our weapon, single payer is our first step. But single payer on its own is not the goal. This book is about health justice. Healthcare is personal. So I wanna start this book personally by introducing two friends of mine, Steve Way and Kyle Kolick. They're two guys about my age, I'm 30, who live in North New Jersey. They're sweet, gentle people, and probably the most charismatic pair of friends I've met my entire life. They make me laugh until my face hurts, and we like watching pro wrestling together. They're also being utterly broken by our American healthcare system, and it's keeping them from living their lives. Steve has muscular dystrophy. The muscle and tissues that hold his body together are eating themselves. He's doing pretty good, all things considered. He beat his original life expectancy of 18, and now probably has a long life ahead of him. Steve needs a wheelchair to move and a ventilator to help him breathe. The book Health Justice Now, Timothy Faust. And welcome back. It just becomes, frankly, in my opinion, so very obvious. You know, what is going on here? That what is going on here is that the Republican Party does not want anybody. To essentially get better out of this, they, you know, they don't want any of that kind of thing. What the Republican Party wants is for, it seems, you know, more death and destruction. Don in Sheridan, Iowa. Hey, Don, you're on the air. What's on your mind?
1: Yeah, hi, Tom. I just wanted to give a, a shout out for Free Speech Television. Now, I don't have an internet, but you cannot get the truth anywhere. Corporate TV never talks. You talk about stuff that corporate TV brings up. A week later, like it's new news. You guys yeah. are the only one that educates. Education is the only thing I can see that's going to change anybody's mind. I hope education will.
2: And that's all I have
1: well, to the, say. And thank you, Tom, for well, all thank you do. You I mean, but, but
2: apropos of that, if I could, yes. I have been encouraging Free Speech TV for many, many years now to do more public relations outreach or maybe even hire a PR and a marketing firm. And I think that might be on the horizon for them in the future. But one of the things that you can do or any other Free Speech TV viewer can do is just tell your friends, you know, start posting clips. Free Speech TV is putting out little micro clips that they tweet. They also have, you know, longer pieces on their website, YouTubes and things like that. You can post, and, and of course, you can always post saying, I heard this on Free Speech TV, on the Tom Hartman program, or on the Randy Road, or whatever it may be. And, you know, let's get the word out about Free Speech TV, because this is such a great television network, and... Frankly, I think it deserves to be, you know, considered one of the major television networks rather than one of the minor ones. So I'm with you, Don. Thank can, you, Tom. Can you get? Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Don. It's, hey, it's I- nice to hear from you. Whoop! I'm sorry. I damn delay. We've got about a quarter second delay. And this is just, you know, kind of the price of doing my show from home rather than from, the, you know, the studio that where uh, Joyce and Nate and Sean will all be along with me in another couple of weeks. You know, God willing, and the crick don't rise. Nate is getting his second vaccine on Friday, in fact. So, you know, that's going around. But we're getting the hospitalization numbers. I think this is particularly interesting. We're starting to look at hospitalization numbers. And in a couple of cases, one of the things that we're finding, this was from the New York Times, and this is about the Quad Cities, the largest hospital systems in the Quad Cities. Genesis Health System reported 48 patients with severe covid this is from a piece that Bullwinkle 428 posted over on DU. Genesis reported of Tuesday's 48 COVID 19 inpatients, 27 are 59 years and younger. Genesis also pointed out of the 529 COVID 19 related Genesis hospital admissions since the first day of COVID vaccination on December 18th, no patients have been admitted who were fully vaccinated and 14 days removed from their second date. Not one. So here we have it, hospitals on the front lines are reporting, we don't see any vaccinated people coming in who are sick, it's just not happening. And welcome back. Let me just finish up this rant and then pick up your phone calls and we can move on into the day. I've been talking about, you know, the vaccination. I find one of these reports particularly interesting. This is from one of the local newspapers, QCTimes.com. And this is the Quad Cities region. What they're pointing out is I don't need to read the whole story. I'll just give you the gist of it. A large chunk of the state with a whole bunch of hospitals says that of of the 500 or so people that they have hospitalized right now or have recently for COVID-19, not one of them had ever been vaccinated. We have hospitals all over the country right now, and particularly in some of these hot spots like Michigan, where they are being flooded with people under 50. It, it looks like, you know, that this British variant you know the the old wild variant mostly killed people over 60 this new british variant is killing people between 30 and 50 the virus is getting more effective it's getting more deadly it's getting more transmissible and and you know and this is the outcome this is this is the consequence of that and that's apparently great by the republican party i mean you know as i as i mentioned at the very end of the of the last Piece of this rant, you know, they, the Michigan legislature actually put into law. Let's spread rumors about the J and J vaccine, and now you've got half of Republican members of the U.S. House of Representatives who refuse to say whether they have been vaccinated. Why? Because they don't want to say yes if they were, because they don't want to encourage vaccination. Uh, Ron Paul and uh, Ron, jo- excuse me, Ron Johnson and and uh, Rand Paul, have both openly proclaimed that they're not going to get a vaccine. You know, the two guys who who celebrated the 4th of July in uh, Moscow. This has nothing to do with freedom. This is all about sabotaging the Biden administration and doing the same to any state that has the temerity to have elected a Democratic governor. Which is why they're going after Michigan, because Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer is there. The Republicans control the House and Senate, but because Democrats win the statewide races, they, you know, they, they're going, they're gunning for them. Uh, metaphor intended, and you know, a lot of Americans were shocked. When we looked back and we see this chart where there's this huge bulge of COVID infections and COVID deaths in October, November, and December, and early January of last year and into, into early this year, and we look at that going, holy cow, what happened? What happened was Donald Trump was pushing us to open state after state, business after business, Get things going again, because he thought that if he did that, he would stimulate the economy enough that he'd get reelected. It was his reelection strategy, and now you know he, he's first of all, he, you have the sedition of his line about the 2020 election. then you have the the sedition of his encouraging the January sixth uprising. I mean, the guy clearly is both both treasonous and seditious, and I would say is beyond any doubt a traitor, at least to the ideals of our nation, if not specifically to our nation itself. But encouraging hundreds of thousands of more deaths, this is taking treason and sabotage to a whole new level. You know, it took our media three years before they started using the word lie with regard to Trump when he was president. It took them three whole years. It took about two years for, for them to, to start you know, explicitly calling out Donald Trump on, on, on things like fascism. I, I, it's just mind-boggling. And, and now we have, American, we have an, an American genocide for purely political purposes. And I think the, the media needs to call this what it is. I think it's treason. Dana in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Hey, Dana, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind?
1: Well, I wanted to say that I went through COVID and then had long term, you know, mm. stuff. I even had a blood clot removed from my toe. My mother died on December 12th um, of COVID because I did all her in home dialysis and all works. I took the Moderna shot on the 6th and I feel fantastic.
2: Oh, that's great! So the Moderna shot fixed your long-term COVID.
1: Oh my gosh, it's it it was crazy. Like before, I had the long-term, like, ugh, I was aching and this and that. You know what I mean? And lethargic Mm -hmm. and coughing. And now I'm just like, oh, boom! I'm like cooking, baking, whatever, and going, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, what happened here? Um, you know, I thought that maybe I, I was actually planning i'm feeling sick like so i had the day off, oh and i'm gonna be in bed and nothing happened and the next day i was like boom on it and you know when i got the shot i did it at at the local walmart walmart you know Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that's great
2: dana real quick which shot did you get i'm just curious i'm moderna moderna okay yeah, I am hearing this. I mean, numerous people have called into this program. You can, you can read it on, on, in the news that people who've had COVID, about a third of them have, you know, long haul. It goes on for at least six months. And a lot of these people, it goes away when you get the shot. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. It's like the whole long haul thing is your body's still trying to fight it off or still launching an immune system reaction. And the shot kind of puts that, finishes all that for you. Wisconsin. Hey, Dia, what's up?
3: Hi, Tom. Love your show. I just want to put in a plug for I concur with everything on vaccinations. I'm fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I want to put in a plug for the safety we need to practice because we don't understand how long the vaccine is going to protect us.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm with you. And not only that, you know, the article I shared with my family yesterday, I think I got it off drudge about people who get covid and get very sick from covid even though they're vaccinated apparently with the Pfizer and Moderna shot your odds of that happening are around 5%, maybe as low as 1%, although it depends on which variant you're exposed to. With the British variant it could be, you know, higher, like 10 to 20%. With the J&J shot I think that that against those variants was showing 40 to 50% efficacy if I'm remembering correctly, which means that your odds are more like 50-50. Most people who get it after they've been vaccinated, don't even know that they've got it, it's so so mild. And none of these hospitals that I'm seeing the reports from are reporting anybody who was fully vaccinated and then got COVID showing up to be hospitalized. So it's a hundred, all of these vaccines appear to be a hundred percent effective against preventing hospitalization and death, which is wonderful news, but we need I could to just go for it. Could
3: Dan. I add something? As a contact tracer here in Wisconsin, I have spoken mm-hmm. to someone who had COVID last March, was in a mm-hmm. vaccine trial in May, got mm-hmm. it again recently.
2: So Do they know in the trial that they got the vaccine and not the placebo?
3: I could not discuss any of that with the person.
2: Yeah, because see, that's the thing. I mean, in a vaccine trial, half the people get the placebo. So somebody coming out of vaccine trial already has a 50-50 chance of getting infected. But you know, vaccinated people can get sick, and that's why we need to continue practicing social distancing and masks. But the sickness is not like the big worry. It's not, uh, you know, it's because it'll be a very mild case if if all the science sees, you know, all these reports seem to be true. But you can be contagious and, you know, and with two thirds of our population not fully vaccinated. And that's a big deal. That's a big problem. Dia, thank you. Thank you so much.
3: We're all getting vaccinated at different times.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. And so we just need to keep on with the social distancing and keep on with the masks and keep on being safe until we can hit that 70 to 90 percent herd immunity threshold. And then maybe uh, it'll be safe to go out. Dia, thank you for the call. Dan in Sherman Oaks, California. Hey, Dan, what's on your mind?
0: This is Dan. Um, I'm actually not in Sherman Oaks. Anyway, Tom, I'm really disappointed. You really don't know what you're talking about on this issue, nor does most of America. This is not a partisan issue. The vaccine doesn't work and there are thousands of adverse effects that the cdc has reported if the vaccine doesn't work
2: dan then why have in fact dan i'm not even going to debate that with you you know when people call into the show to try to spread these lies and misinformation you know i realize these are coming from two sources right there's the one source of the average person who read it on facebook or has gone down the rabbit hole on YouTube or on, uh, on Facebook you know, uh, looking at the videos of people who are supposedly, doc- Oh, and there are a few people who actually have letters after their names as doctors, who are promoting this BS that Dan was just trying to promote, that the vaccine is not effective, that there's all kinds of massive side effects. These are lies. Just very simply, lies. We are watching the percentage of older people with COVID who are being hospitalized absolutely collapse right now, all across the country. Now, not entirely in some of the red states where they've really screwed this up, but pretty much generally speaking, hospitals are reporting that they're no longer seeing people die. We have several thousand dead doctors and nurses from the Trump time. That's not happening anymore. People who get these vaccines don't get sick and die. That's the truth. And that's solid. And the side effects of the vaccines are vanishingly rare. I got the shot day before yesterday. Yesterday, my left arm was sore. Today, my right arm is in a sling. It has nothing to do with the shot. I got too enthusiastic here, and I appear to have torn a muscle in my rotator cuff in my right arm. And yesterday I was just like in insane pain trying to do the show. And I'm amazed I even got through. Louise ran out to the local store and got me a sling, and so now I've immobilized my right shoulder. You know, I had a frozen shoulder there before. It feels like the same thing is happening, but that has nothing to do with the shot. But I just wanted to tell you that for those of you watching on TV or on YouTube, that I'm not wearing a sling because of the shot. But I think it's really important to point out that, you know, I said that people like Dan come from two sources. One, people who are genuinely deluded, misinformed, and have believed the lies that are being promoted by people who want to see Biden fail, by people who want to see the economy go down in flames. The GOP is doing this. You got Tucker Carlson promoting vaccine hesitancy and others on Fox News. These people are liars, and what they are promoting is lies, and they are deadly lies. These are like the worst kind of may you burn in hell for telling this lie lies. Because, you know, already we have a half a million dead Americans. One of them is dead from a vaccine. A half a million are dead from everything else. And that vaccine has been paused. And I'm guessing when it comes back, it's not going to be available to women under 50. And there will be no more failures in the vaccine. So, number one, you've got that as a source of these lies. And then number two, you've got foreign actors who want to see the United States in chaos. We have several countries that look like they're preparing to fight wars with us. I mean, Russia's massing border uh, troops on the border of Ukraine. China is playing chicken with our planes around Taiwan. And the more they can create, create chaos for America, the better from You're their point of view. Listening to Tom Hartman. Visit tomhartman.com for audio and video archives. So if you're one of these people who got suckered in to this vaccine hesitancy stuff on YouTube or whatever, don't even try here. It ain't going to work. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com hartman with two Ns. netsuite.com hartman. That's netsuite.com hartman. our book today is microtrends squared by mark penn the first chapter the building blocks of Change today the power of microtrends we live in a microtrends world it's driven by granular often opposite patterns of human behavior that seem small but punch above their size we've identified these powerful patterns as microtrends and the world is full of them Together, they are the dots of a global Impressionist painting that comes to life when you step back and look at it holistically. These forces have only become more impactful in recent years, and they've started to upend society. Ten years ago, when I first identified these patterns in change and change in microtrends, I saw a world of boundless opportunities. I was over-the-top optimistic about how microtrends would produce a new world of personalized products on our shelf, and how in Washington they would produce an even greater selection of fresh, first-rate political choices. Of course, that's not exactly what happened. Instead, the information age has given away to the disinformation age, in which fake information abounds. The nation founded on free speech is grappling with how to live with free speech and in the era of the internet troll. The optimism around our economy faded with the unexpected crash of 2008, followed by a historically slow recovery over a decade. Only now is it recovering. Unparalleled consumer choice is leading not to the growth of more startups, but to the dominance of just a few internet companies, which are amassing more and more power on the basis of data gleaned from willing but unknowing consumers. And the older generations, who in their youth in their own youth led a rebellion, have now dug in their heels against the politics and culture of today's new generations. What makes the microtrend such a powerful tool in this moment is that it can unpack and explain changes that we're seeing that otherwise make no sense. On the surface, for example, the middle class can seem to be shrinking, and this is alarming. But it is only by digging deeper and seeing that education is driving more people into the upper classes that we can come to understand these overall statistics at a more molecular level. Often, two diametrically opposed trends are occurring at the same time, which would be invisible in the averages but which leap out when understood as the result of a cauldron of microtrends. Today in politics, for example, there is no overall ideological shift. Instead, one group of moderates became more conservative and another group became more liberal, causing society to become both more liberal and more conservative at the same time, essentially canceling each other out. This increased polarization then produces even more gridlock and confusion. We can see similar tugs and pulls throughout society, While one group seeks more technology, another one wants to sit in the Amtrak quiet car. Some can't sit through a six-second commercial. Others spend hours and hours binge-watching TV. Some live in a world of globalization, while others yearn for a return to greater nationalism. To explain all this, we've borrowed from Newtonian physics. For every trend, there is a counter-trend. It's human nature in the information age. Every move or desire in one direction seems to inspire a counter-move by another group in the opposite direction. For every radical group, there's a new conservative group. For every new product in mobile technology, there are those sticking to the flip phone. Only by understanding the complexity of these developments can we make sense of a world that seems senseless, confused, and even jumbled. While in 2007, microtrends allowed you to navigate the changes of the day, now microtrends squared lets you better understand the emerging chaos as the seesawing of opposite forces fighting for dominance in the social, political, and cultural worlds. In the last decade, technology was able to exploit and even conquer the world of microtrends with its ability to customize products and our lives based on AI and big data. But even as these attempts have transformed our lifestyles, they've also led to some serious unintended consequences that have further clouded society. Microtrends disentangles many of these shifts and lies at the source of many battles for power that have disrupted our world today. As you'll see throughout this book, those ongoing battles will result in some very unlikely winners, losers, and shifts in the overall power match of society. While the technology behind increased personalization of goods and services has been providing us with more choice in our daily life, we've instead been making fewer choices, burrowing into comfortable silos. We expected that the advances in our ability to customize goods and services would open us all up to a new world of never-ending experimentation. A decade later, exactly the opposite has occurred, and our society has become increasingly polarized with people finding choices they like and picking them over and over again. In 2007, Microtrends explained how the Starbucks economy had succeeded the Ford economy. In the Ford economy, you could have any color you wanted, as long as it was black. The aim of industry was to mass-produce products at the lowest possible cost, and that meant standardization of goods. But the new economy of the 21st century was moving starkly away from that model, instead providing consumers with any color they wanted. The Starbucks economy was based on creating greater value through customization, even of simple products like coffee and tea. People everywhere became more individualistic in their tastes and were rebelling from carefully mowed lawns and white picket fences. The marketplace responded to these trends by allowing people to have it their own way, and they did. The theory was that more choice would result in a happier and more satisfied group of consumers. Variety would open consumers up to new experiences, in many ways bringing us closer together, allowing us to mix, match, and try out all sorts of new options. Something rather surprising happened, however, as consumers got more choice. The book, Microtrends Squared. Chaz in Lakewood, Washington. (laughs) Straswiger, chairs <laughs> <laughs> Buenos dias. Why, how dare you speak the, uh, evil tongue? <laughs> I was, I was gonna wish you well, mi hermano. <laughs> okay.
3: You ready to go? I yeah. have a, a question, yeah. but first I wanted to give you my personal vaccination report. Is that yeah? The first shot I got, I was a little bit tired the following day. I was well, not tired, just out of not quite as much energy. Took a nap. I was great. Second shot, no problems fully immunized as of uh, like a couple three days ago now
0: tom uh, when people talk about stem cells i think what we need to point out is that stem cells i and this is where my question comes in typically come from umbilical cords and if that's the case umbilical cords which are
3: typically thrown away are now being used to save lives how is this not considered pro-life
2: well these the uh, apparently these stem cells are from an aborted fetus back in the 70s and that stem cell line um, is very good at reproducing itself and in fact this is I believe if it's the same stem cell line which is principally the one that they use in this kind of research it actually came from a black woman in the 70s who she and her family never benefited from this whether that's exactly the case or not. But but yeah, you're right. You know, a lot of fetal stem cells do come from umbilical blood. That's what they're using more frequently. Okay. And by the way, it wasn't used to develop the vaccine. There's no stem cells in the vaccine. It was used to test the vaccine out in the initial test to see if it kills human cells.
3: All right. I'm good, Tom. I'll call you on the
2: 100th day. Okay, there you go. Thank you very much. Uh, good to hear from you, Chaz. Marlene in Toledo, Ohio. Hey, Marlene, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up? Oh,
3: hi, Tom. Such a fan. Yes, I got the Moderna shot last Friday, my second, and I did have a slight reaction. I have a rash. that still is persisting, but it's going away. But I, um, mm-hmm. I had to get on the website and fill out the paperwork. It was like a four-page document, and they did get back to me. Um, and it acknowledged it, so'm I'm, I'm waiting to hear back and my, my doctor thought it could be like a cellulitis type infection, but it's right below the injection site. So it's warm to the touch, but it's not bothering me at anything at all. And I, yeah. that's and my it'll pass
2: finally. It'll yeah. And I I, I, you know, I don't say that as a physician, but, you know, no. I, everything I, I, I've read, everybody I've talked to, you know, my own experience, yeah. I didn't have a rash, but I had a lot of pain. You know, it felt like my arm had been hit with a hammer, but it, you know, it went away after a few hours. So, oh, yeah. Or but, a, um, a day. I
3: have to tell you, just, just what you said prior my 93 year old mother in law called me today, and I took them for their vaccination. She called very upset because what she heard on the radio that these vaccines were poisonous and what you just got done talking about just so sad so i try to straighten her around
2: did she hear that from some right-wing radio host is that what you're talking about yeah. or was there a news story yes,
3: she did The local oh, local radio station here in Toledo. yeah
2: Yeah, that's so unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. Marlene, thank you for the call.
4: Thank you.
2: Yeah, we need to straighten out everybody. Marlene, thank you so much for the call. And thanks for watching Free Speech TV. And and thanks for the personal report. Great to hear from you. We'll be back in just a minute. Got to pay for the show here over on the commercial side. I'll be right back. I had a caller just a moment ago she called her 91 or 92 year old mother who had just heard this morning on right wing hate radio locally in Toledo, as I recall, that the vaccines are poison. The vaccines can hurt you. And she was already vaccinated. She called up her daughter and said, do I need to worry? I mean, this is the new Republican campaign to take down Democrats in 2022, 2024 is sabotage Biden's efforts to get America inoculated. It's just that simple. And I've been calling this out for weeks. I don't get it why our media, the the dime has not dropped. Stephanie in Kankakee, Illinois. Hey, Stephanie, thanks for listening to WCPT. What's up?
4: Well, I got a good news story, actually. A friend of mine was a nurse at uh, University of Chicago. Her and three nurses rented an apartment a year ago. Out, mm-hmm. they hadn't seen their families in at least six months. You know, until they got the shot. And the one of them had put her mother in a nursing home because she, there was nobody there to watch her because she wasn't there. Her husband took a second job to pay a live-in nanny. These women finally got to go home to see their families. The one that just had a baby, so she hadn't held a baby mm-hmm. in six months. So they all got to go home to see their families. Got her mother up to the nursing home, who she said was very despondent because she was confused. And so she said the weight off of them is it's like lifting a semi truck off their head. Yeah. And, um, and all because they got vaccinated? Me and my husband, um, yeah, they got vaccinated and then they were able to go home. They felt safe to go home, let me put it that way. Yeah. Um, me and my husband got shot. My husband has diabetes, high blood pressure, he's you know, doing kidney dialysis. And a few other elements we got this J &J shot and we're fine i got a hyperbolic system that attacks me all the time and i'm fine so people have got to use their head like my mother said for more than a hat rack turn off the television get on facebook definitely don't go to youtube for nothing when it comes to medical and try to, to think for yourself and get things straight but i'm glad those nurses they got home got to see their families
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Stephanie, and thank you so much for sharing a great personal story that just makes this real for all of us. Sharon in San Marcos, California. Sharon, you're on the air.
0: Hi, Tom. You mentioned uh, about Governor Whitmer in Michigan uh, Mm -hmm. refusing to declare a shutdown or whatever. Well, the problem is the state legislature and then the court have rescinded her power, her executive power, to declare emergency. So they have rescinded emergency powers. She is not allowed to declare a shutdown or require masks or anything like that by law.
2: Wow. So how did I miss that? So it, I, You know, you
0: I, I'm going to have to You actually do some mentioned it when it happened back in October.
2: Yeah, that sounds it sounds happened. familiar, but it, I, I, why is that not included in every story in The New York Times and The Washington Post? I about I wonder how, that, too. I looked it
0: up okay. yesterday because a friend of mine has a friend who's conservative in Michigan and was complaining about it on Facebook about why, the, it's, you know, uh, COVID is just going rampant. And I right. responded, your own governor, uh, and she, he was blaming the governor because he lives in Michigan and he doesn't know.
2: Right. But
0: you mentioned right. it. That's where I got it from is from you back in October okay. when it happened.
2: So I'm going to have to. During we've got a break coming up in about a minute and a half, and I'm going to go on to the to the DuckDuckGo machine and see if I can find the, the articles about when that happened, and I'll I'll amend my piece over at HartmanReport.com. One of the cool things about having my own live blog is that I can you know add to it anytime I want, you know once I find that. But Sharon, thank you for the reminder. I vaguely remember that. But damn, that should be like top-of-the-line news. I mean, it's just incredible. I know. Okay, Sharon. Especially
0: since it's going crazy in Michigan and they're talking about it, why don't they say that? Yes.
2: Yeah. Amen. Sharon, thank you so much. I wanted to get Ken in here in Lafayette, Colorado. Hey, Ken, what's up?
0: Hi. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Just quickly, I I wanted to make a vaccine comment as well. I have had my second Pfizer shot. It's been a couple weeks now, and outside of a short soldier where I got the shot for a day, maybe a day and a half, I've had zero side effects. Yeah. And um, encourage people to get the shot. And as a previous caller had mentioned, or a couple callers, the woman with the 92 year old mother and her slight rash, she's getting better. I encourage everybody to do it. So thank you for all you do
2: and have a nice day. Thank you, Ken. And let me put a punctuation mark on what Ken just said. If you get some of those symptoms, if you get a rash or you get a feel a little fatigued or, you know, for a day, in my case, it was my arm was sore for a day and a half. Those are signs that the drug is working or the vaccine is working. Those are signs that your immune system has said, oh, whoa, you know, I got to get ready here and that you are now more able to fight off the possibility of an infection with this virus. And that's good news. But the Republican Party doesn't want you to know that. And welcome back. Tom Harbin, here with you. And a special, by the way, a special thanks to our crew who are pitching in and working out and doing yeoman's work in a scary time. Sean in the studio and Joyce in the studio answering phones and being very, very careful and social distancing and everything else. I'm here at home. Nate is doing our video work from home. So if you're watching us on YouTube or on Free Speech TV or on Facebook Live or on Twitter, you may see glitches from now and then. And if you're listening on the radio, the audio quality is is not quite what it typically is. But, you know, we're doing the absolute best that we can. And I think we're doing a pretty damn good show at that. And I just want to acknowledge uh, everybody who's working with me and, and Nigel and Sue, who Nigel who keeps up our website, who are working from home, and Sue Nethercutt, who does our newsletter every day with a list of all the articles that and every story that I've talked about during the show in it. Right? Sue's Daily Stack, and it's free, and you can find it all over TomHartman.com. Patrick and Jerry Lynn, who put together our podcasts, and Jamie, who does our hardcore webmastering stuff. He's working from home. He's out in, I believe, Kentucky or Tennessee. But uh, we got people scattered literally all over the globe working on this program, Nigel and Sewer in the UK. And Nate, thank you all. But hey, it's a pandemic, so we'll all get over that, right? We could all agree to that.